shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. Welcome to 2019's first edition of Bridge Radio. Happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, Good morning, afternoon, and evening to everyone who's tuning in. We are, we are the Christian podcast that brings on the world's top Christian apologists, theologians, and scholars to not only discuss theology, but worldview. And I am your host, Julio Mar Rodriguez. And across from me, we don't got the AW with us. He was a little busy, but we do have the president of the ministry, Mr. Steve Denhart. What's up, all? Thanks for being with us today. How was your New Year's, Steve? It was great, man. It was nice and uh, nice and quiet. It was. My daughter was sick, so we just hung out at home. Oh, no. (laughs) She was barfing? I heard. (laughs) Well, the dog was a little freaked out, too, with all the fireworks going on. Oh, yeah. It's 4th of July, and it's New Year's that dogs think the end of the world is coming. They're just freaking out. My my dog, too. I have a wiener dog. I love wiener dogs, by the way. Um... He was just going berserk in the backyard. I mean, he thought he was getting attacked from like all sides. He was like running in circles and everything. It's super funny. Anyway, guys, if you are new to the program, please subscribe. You can tune in to all of our past and present weekly podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Android, Windows, and through our Bridge app. Simply go to our app store and type in Bridge Ministries, and there you'll see our logo, name, and slogan, Coffee and Good News, and hit download. Uh, Not only can you find Bridge Radio on our app, but you could also find great Christian articles, devotionals, expository preaching series through books of the Bible, and actually today we just uploaded Dr. Tim Trumpard's Ten Commandments sermon series, so please go check that out. I'm excited. I, I think Steve would agree with me, but just one way to use these um, expository sermon series that I use is just on my commute to work, mm-hmm. or even as like a morning devotional, I'll, I'll listen to it. And uh, some of these expository sermons actually have notes with them. Absolutely. So just just, take, take the opportunity to redeem the time, you know, when yeah. you're traveling, when, you, when you're working out, whatever, man. This is so rich. There's yeah. so much good stuff. Yeah, never at a point in uh, Christianity have we, have we been... Just had the answers at the tip of our fingers. Yeah, and just great. Exactly. Had ac- had this sort of access. So, anyway, guys, thank you so much for for tuning in today. We got a, a, an excellent podcast for you. Uh, we're going to be discussing, uh, or our guest is the author of a book, uh, the radical book for kids, uh, exploring the roots and shoots of faith. And uh, we're, exa- we're we're really excited for for having him on. This we is are. a book that I picked up, and I was like, "Wow, this looks absolutely beautiful." And with my ADD, I open it up, and I'm just really engaging <laughs> it in your face. It is. So I loved it. Um, so uh, our our guest, he's the associate pastor of Ogletown Baptist Church in Delaware. He has pastored in South Carolina and served as director of Soma, a ministry training school in Columbus, Ohio. He is also the author of God's Love, a Bible Story, and Bible Curriculum for early and upper elementary age children. Champ uh, and his wife, Robin, have been married since 1996 and have three children. And thank you so much, uh, Pastor Thornton, for c- coming on to Bridgman, uh, Br- Bridgman, Bridge Radio. Julio and Steve, it's great to be with you. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, so w- one of the questions that, that we had, I don't know if we if, if we uh, if we sent this one to you, but it was how did you get your name, <laughs> Champ? Very, very, very rarely we we come off uh, we we I, at least I encounter someone named Champ. So what's the story behind that? There's probably more wiener dogs named Champ than there are human beings. <laughs> yeah. So. 
Yeah. So my mom and dad, uh, I was born premature and they had lost a little girl who was also born premature about a year before I was born. Hmm. And uh, so when I came along, they didn't know if I was going to live. And my mom prayed and fasted that God would spare my life. And he did. And the doctor said, yeah, he's a champ. He'll make it. And well, uh, God was kind and the name stuck. So it's not my given name. It's a nickname. Hmm. So I know if someone calls me George, they don't know me. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. Um, for our audience as well, who are a little unfamiliar with you, um, how, how did you come to Saving Faith? Yeah, well, I was raised in a Christian family and, uh, in fact, went to Christian schools all my life and just had a growing sense as I got into high school that mm-hmm. even though I'd made a profession as a young child, that it really wasn't real. And uh, so I was at a school camp. Uh, our school went every year to a fall retreat, and the gospel was preached, and I just knew I needed to make a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's when uh, I received Christ as my Savior, and I turned from my sins and turned to Christ in faith, and then after that was baptized. And um, I'm just so thankful for God's grace that meets us where we are, but never leaves us where we are. Great. So how old were you at that time when you became a Christian? Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my story is kind of similar as well, being in camp and uh, having the opportunity to hear the gospel clearly presented and realizing that I needed to uh, make a decision uh, for yeah. myself. So I I highly encourage all of those young, those counselors out there in situations like that, they can have a, a, a really life-changing impact right. on those young people. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, Champ, can you tell us why you wrote the book, The Radical Book for Kids? Well, The Radical Book for Kids is basically a starter kit for the Christian life. I have three kids, my wife and I. We have uh, a 13-year-old son and almost a 9-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. And a number of years ago, obviously, they were that many years younger. And I wanted to write a book that would sort of be not everything they would need to know as Christians, but Mm -hmm. a starter kit for them. And so this book is the result of of that kind of desire. And, you know, even if I go back before we even had kids, I was 29 years old, and I was just starting uh, my first pastorate, and I was diagnosed with uh, a blood clot, and not only that, but a pulmonary embolism. I was Mm -hmm. in the hospital, and, I mean, people have died from these, and I didn't know what was wrong, but I soon found out, and it was frightening time. And when you're 29, you think, man, I'm invincible. I'm going to live forever, and, you know— You got the world by the tail. Sure. And then you realize, like, this could all be over in a heartbeat. Mm. And it really changes the way you process life and everyday living and the future. And so, you know, I want to um, be able to pass on to the next generation the things that the Lord has taught me uh, through experiences and through His Word and through seminary. Mm. And so uh, it has put a a forward-looking um, dimension to my ministry where I know I'm not going to be around forever. Well, God yeah. knows, but maybe I'll live to be 85 years old or older. But mm-hmm. whatever that is, I want my kids to be well-grounded in the faith of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Amen. Yeah, so one of the compliments I really have on this book, and I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if, if you work with me, Steve knows I have ADD. Yeah, so I'm walking past the, ki- the, the kids' children book, and, and usually, obviously, the children's book isn't really my 
my forte. It's not really where I lean to go look at. It's usually the theology and commentary section. And I happened to look, I grabbed this book and I was like, wow, this is really like aesthetically pleasing. It like is. it's, it's really in your face. And then I remember opening it up in, in, inside and, and it's just, uh, it's very engaging, very colorful. And, uh, and, and, and I wanted to ask, I mean, whenever you were coming into writing this children's book, is this kind of the design you had in mind or who was, who was kind of the, 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 the guy who kind of made the look of this book? Yeah, well, let me give lots of credit to the design team at New Growth Press mm-hmm. and to the guy they found to do the design work. His name mm-hmm. is Scott McDonald, lives in Colorado. And Scott just brought the fun factor to the book just yeah. like I had hoped it would be. I I had ideas for what it could be like. I wanted it to be fun and engaging, but to be able to go from like the idea of fun and engaging to actually here's a page that is fun and engaging. Yeah. Well, Scott's the one to kind of cross that bridge, not me. So, yeah, I'm just absolutely thrilled with what they did. Yeah, and just to give a little bit of a uh a visual to what the cover of the book looks like. You've got the you know profile of a, of a child it looks like, and then a tree with the uh, the leaves in the mind of the child and the roots going down, um, and then the uh, the subtitle is exploring the roots and shoots of faith, and that's exactly what this book helps kids to do to explore you know the reasons um, why we believe as Christians what we believe. And, uh, right. So that's, it's a, it's a, it's a super helpful book in that, in that regard. It reminds me, I, I was watching an interview with James Warner Wallace and he talks about how important it is to, uh, leave a legacy for our children and to help them to understand, um, why we believe what we believe as Christians. He said that, well, he gave three reasons for why young people leave the church. He said they're underprepared, underprepared in church. They're hostile in the hostile environments that they find on campus and the struggle with sinful desires. But I really see books like this that you've um, written to be super helpful in helping to prepare young people um, for for their uh, later life and and for their faith to be something that is, you know, tangible, that's uh, that's personal and that that has a history that comes from somewhere you know it's not uh, it's not nebulous it's something that can mm-hmm. really be um, understood and and uh, believed yeah yeah I hope that it does meet that kind of need um, and especially in the context of families because I think although the book is designed for a child to be able to pick up the book and read it for himself or herself, uh, for to have a parent involved in that equation, Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the maybe sometimes unarticulated elements that are is pivotal on whether a child is going to continue in the faith or when they get older uh, decide that maybe they're going to take a break from that for a while. Sure, and. I mean, I think we get our cue from this in the New Testament, right? So there are statements of faith, little tiny summaries of what the church believed sprinkled through mm-hmm. uh, the the letters, but the the Lord doesn't seem to indicate that as long as we have these statements, your written words, that the church will be protected and that the faith will be perpetuated. He also sees fit to say we need to have people, people involved in the church, faithful men who will pass it on to others. And whether it's pastors in a church or deacons in a church or whatever the leadership structure is, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's combinations of the word, uh, once for all delivered to the saints, mm-hmm. the gospel, yeah. and 
uh, people who are faithful to the gospel. And those two things, when they go together, I think that is the Lord's intention for the perpetuation of the faith in lives. And that includes our children. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. Yeah, and I, I would, I, I want to add, too, um, that this book, I mean, I, I would say it's, it, I, I know it's specifically written for children, but I mean, a lot of adults could learn from this as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's what, that's will definitely make it fun in the context of a family devotional. Um, so, so this book won the ECPA Medallion of Excellent Christian Book Award. It got praise uh, by Michael Thornton and, and John Frame. So what, one of the things that Michael, Michael Horton said, Michael, I think I said Michael Thornton, Michael Horton, I'm sorry. Uh, Michael, hey, I'll take him. Welcome to the family, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, as the father of four teens, I found this a fun, informative, and spiritually edifying resource. Um, what would you say separates your book from other Christian children's books? Well, uh, let me start by saying what I hope actually most is most common in this book is what it has in common with other books uh, related to the faith. So, you know, I don't want to be original. Novelty in mm. theology is not a virtue. Yeah. So, you know, I want to say things like everybody else does about God's Word, sure. about the Gospel, about theology, Christian living, church history. So, you know, with that as the foundation, I would say perhaps what would make it unique is that it tries to pull together uh, all of these different elements in one place, uh, to pull them together in one place for this age group, which is ages eight and up, and that um, it does that with really amazing design. And I feel like I can say that because I didn't really do the design. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like those elements maybe make it unique, but honestly, I, what I hope is it brings a young generation into perhaps first contact with truths that uh, many other books teach, but perhaps they otherwise might not encounter some of these until they got to Bible college right. uh, or seminary. Yeah. And along those lines, there's so much content in the book, um, Champ. There's systematic theology, church history, Latin, facts, activities, and more. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of writing the book and choosing content for the book? Yeah, great question. A number of years ago, I learned about a book called the dangerous book for boys and there's a one for mm. girls called the daring book for girls yeah. and it's one of those books that i mean you can go on amazon and you know it's uh, you know 50 things or 100 things that every boy or a girl ought to know or know how to do and we have those books in our house and they're a lot of fun you know five things every boy ought to carry in his pockets you know different ways girls can braid their hair you know just sure. it's all sorts right and i thought man it'd be great to have like a book like this similar format kind of a nod right. to that format but related to the Christian life. Um, what are things that every boy and girl ought to know or know how to do related to Christianity? And so kind of with that in mind, then then you start thinking, well, what are my chapters? What are my bullet points? What are these uh, installments? And so there were months of just collaboration with the team at New Growth Press, and random topics came up, because sometimes it can just be the—it's not like uh, every chapter in this book is, you know, serious theology. I mean, there's a chapter called Animals in the Bible, or Monsters mm -hmm. in the Bible, and it talks about different animals in Scripture. And then there's a page full of elephant jokes. So elephants actually are not mentioned in the Bible at all. But, you know, hey, while we're talking about right. animals, we can, work, we can work in a page of elephant jokes. Sure. So, you know, uh, in some ways, it's a bit of a grab bag, a random assortment. And uh, so that hopefully brings a little bit of fun as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's topics, everything from how we know the Bible is true to how to clean your room 
Everyone, lo- the parents are going to love that one. Yeah, rules, <laughs> rules, rules. Yeah, and then and then there's a uh, a chapter on a section on Augustine's Confessions. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite quotes from all time is, "You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee." You know, I mean, that's such a mm-hmm. such a. Uh, I think it's, it's it's the quintessential statement of existence, you know, and uh, right. so it's 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 really an eclectic mix of so many different topics, and that's what really keeps it uh, interesting and exciting. Yeah, and as those topics emerged, the bullet point list got longer and longer. Uh, eventually, uh, different categories began to emerge. So. There are probably six different chapters uh, scattered throughout the book, each of which deal with a kind of a genre block, as it were, mm-hmm. in the Bible, like the Pentateuch or the historical books or the prophets or whatever. And not only what it's about, but how to read them well, sure. a kind of a beginner's guide to that. So that's one category, right? Hermeneutics, how do we approach the Bible? Uh, and then there's a grouping of just some theology topics, like here's a bit about the Trinity, or here's a bit about union with Christ or the gospel. Then there's apologetics, how do we know the Bible's true? What about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Um, Christian living, how do you deal with anger or fear or yeah. suffering? Uh, kind of basic life skills. Yeah. How do you make good decisions? What about it being a good friend? Like you said, how to clean your room. Uh, historical figures, like you said. So uh, these are the larger categories that make up the book. Mm, yeah. And, and w- one of the things that I loved about uh, some of the theologians that you have, obviously we mentioned Augustine, uh, John Bunyan's in there, C.S. Lewis, and then you put in one of my favorites, uh, theologians and pastors, J.C. Ryle. Um, mm. What was uh, what was kind of the, uh, the thought or the process of, of adding him to the book is he is he one of your favorite theologians or well if you know jc ryle you know he has a book called thoughts for young men yes mm-hmm. he does and i had read through that book with a guy in my youth group years and years ago when i was in seminary and you know i thought wow i mean that's kind of what this book is right lots right. of thoughts for young men and young women and so i thought well why don't I just do a little bio write-up about Ryle to make it interesting? And then is there any kind of way to summarize or excerpt bits from that book to be kind of representative of J.C. Ryle? So that's this one chapter. Yeah, yeah. And so what was one of the favorite, one of your most favorite uh, parts about this whole entire book, putting it together? Wow, that's a good question. So I wrote this book back, it came out in 2016, and I started writing it about three years before that. So it's been, you know, a number of years from now. So I'm trying to remember like the exact process of writing. But I mean, as I think about the book now and reflect on it, you know, I think the biography chapters are, those are really special to me in a way because I get to introduce the next generation to real human beings who lived uh, in the era of the church and have been influential. And so biography is always such a a useful category or useful genre, right? Because you learn about human beings, you learn about uh, the theology they embraced you or that they were defending in their context in that time in church history. You learn a little bit about their context, about church history. You learn uh, kind of psychology, like, you know, what were they what were they thinking, what was going on in their life, mm-hmm. and you get introduced to their writings. So you, there's so much you can gain from biography. Yes. And so there are six different biographies for, of men and six little mini-biographies of women and a couple uh, other ones just scattered throughout, whether it's John Bunyan or C.S. Lewis, about their writers. Uh, that's why they're in the book. Um, so 
this collection of mini biographies, just a couple pages each. I, uh, I know my kids like it, and I, I hope other, other kids do as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Yeah, those are really neat. Those are really helpful for uh, understanding our history as, uh, as believers. As someone who has written not only this book, but also curriculum for elementary age children, uh, can you tell us, Champ, what has been your experience as to the capacity of what children can theologically comprehend, especially in that age group from 8 to 14. It seems like sometimes there's a tendency to want to um, dumb down, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, some of the, the things that we teach kids in order not to teach over their heads. And of course, you need to be aware of that. But uh, what has been your experience for that age group? Yeah, so I think you're exactly right. We do tend to underestimate what they can process, kids. Um, I think the main hang-up, and this is not true in every case, um, but I think, largely speaking, the the main difficulty in communicating difficult things to children, especially related to the Bible and theology, is not what they don't know, it's, be, it's what we don't know mm-hmm. as the teachers. That, you know, there's a, there's a simplicity that is on the other side of complexity, Hmm. right? And if we as teachers don't work from a simplistic understanding through the complexity to the simplicity that's on the other side of complexity, Mm -hmm. then we're not going to be able to communicate something clearly because it's not clear in our own heads. Sure. So, you know, like if you're talking to a Sunday school teacher and uh, they're having trouble coming up with an illustration for their lesson, you know, what they need to do is not go to a book of illustrations. They need to go back to the passage of Scripture. The reason they're not coming up with an illustration is because they don't understand the passage well enough. Mm. As soon as the passage clicks into focus more deeply and clearly in their own heads, the more the illustrations just pop out like, oh, yeah, well, this is a great illustration over here or over there. So, I think it's the same way with kids. I mean, this is why, so the passage you read at the beginning of this podcast Mm. was from Deuteronomy chapter 6, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And this is the passage that says, you know, you need to put God's Word, you know, on your house, in between your eyes, and then while you're walking on the road or driving in the minivan, (laughs) uh, that, you know, you're talking about these things with your kids. But remember how that starts. It says, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and, you know, these shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them. Mm -hmm. And so, if we're not... processing deeply and personally first, we're not going to be able to communicate them. And so, I think that's one reason why we have difficulty communicating where kids can process is because we've actually not done the hard work. Maybe we did a Saturday night special, we pulled out the kids' curriculum, we read the notes, we thought, okay, I think I get this, and we, because they're kids, I'm not going to spend 18 hours working on this lesson, I'm going to spend 30 minutes. And I think because of that, um, we we too quickly go to the response of, well, they're kids, they have difficulty understanding. And I I don't think that's always the issue. Hmm. To do justice to our teaching, we need to be prepared ourselves. And there's there's so much that we can use to uh, prepare ourselves, so many commentaries and, and resources that we can 
find from godly teachers who have yeah, gone before us. That's, right. that's one of the things that we really try to emphasize here as a ministry is uh, just making people aware of what's available out there. You know, the print resources, the audio, audio resources. There are so many godly uh, scholars, um, authors, teachers that we can benefit from. It, I think it was when I became more serious about my faith that I really enjoyed um reading and uh and i think that if we can inspire young people in that same way as well um you know it it's really it helps to encourage them to dig deeply into their faith um as well because uh it's 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 not, it's not shallow it's deep but it's not uh, it's not necessarily uh you know difficult to understand it's not so profound that right. we can't uh, we can't yeah. wrap our minds around it yeah, we can't pass on to others what we don't first have ourselves. Exactly. You know, and I think Deuteronomy 6 also has another key for teaching the next generation. And if you, you know, we're, I think we're more familiar with the first half of that chapter, which we were just quoting from. Uh, but if you go to the last half of the chapter, and there's like a scenario set up, and I'm just paraphrasing here, um, but basically it's like, you know, if in days to come your kids say to you, what do these commandments mean? Okay, so basically they're asking an information question. Yeah. Tell them, explain these words to me. Mm. And the answer is, the Lord says, here's what you'll say to them. We were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord our God rescued us and brought them to brought us to himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the question is answered very counterintuitively. We would never have penned that. We would have said, well... There are Ten Commandments, and there's like the first panel and the second panel, and one's about God and one's about us and how we love God and love people. And he says, no, 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 no. Let's start with why. You want to really understand? Go to why. Hmm. I mean, how many times have we heard people teach God's Word, maybe some deep truth, and they've studied it, so they're energized, and we're sitting there thinking, and what's the relevance here? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we understand not just what it is, but why it is— then that really takes us leaps and bounds forward about yeah. actually comprehending the what. Yeah. Yeah, that why the why question is so important. It goes deeper. Uh and 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 just growing up as a kid, I remember those those deep questions were always something that were instilled with me. I remember even when I was learning to play guitar and uh, I was taught a chord. It just wasn't good enough for me to learn the chord. I wanted to know why the chord actually functioned. Hmm. Like, yeah, wh- that's wh- right. What were the notes? Like, what makes a chord? Why do I call it a chord? Uh, what mm-hmm. what actually makes a chord? Oh, and then eventually I find out. Oh, it's the third. I mean, the first, third, and the fifth of a, of a certain scale. And then, well, why does the scale work? And so, it, it, the whole why question. If you push it forward, it goes deeper and it goes yeah. deeper that's and it right. goes deeper. And then I think we need to do. Th- I'm not a. I'm 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 not a, a father, but I think uh, that why question and and really an- having those answers are, are really important. Um, but even to Steve and, and, and also to you, Chap, I mean, how, how fundamental is it to um, just disciple your kids and um, and raise them up in the Lord? And kind of what sort of fruit have you seen in just being consistent with that in your household? Hmm. Steve? Well, uh, yeah, kind of going back to what you said, Champ, with regards to answering the why question. I think that that is so critical. I mean, as as teachers, as preachers um, of the Word of God, I think that uh, it's easy to teach or preach admonition 
to tell somebody that, uh, you know, this is what you should do or this is what you should not do, but to go beyond that to the reason behind it, why we should do that, you know, because God is holy and, uh, you know, why, why would I want to live a life that is pleasing to him? Well, I think when it, when we get to understand God's grace towards us in Christ Jesus and the mercy that he has had upon us, it changes everything. At least it did for me. I mean, I remember growing up and, and, you know, being so bored so often in, in uh, church. And, um, you know, a lot of the time I think that the focus is on, uh, you know, living in a certain way, you know, do this and don't, don't do this. Don't drink, don't smoke or go with girls who do, you know, but right. why, why should I do that? And, uh, once, you know, you get to have a, an understanding of that. And if you can impart that to your children, um, I think it goes a long ways to, uh, to helping them to make their faith, to make that faith their own as yep. opposed to, mm. you know, making them conform to, to the way that uh, you think that they should behave. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, number of years ago, when our kids were really little, my wife and I were thinking through like, you know, how are we going to parent as Christians? You know, we yeah. have these uh, God's given us these uh, three little pagans, and we've got to evangelize them and so you know <laughs> exactly. disciple them, and you know what's that going to look like? And you know, there's parenting books, and you know they're they're multi chapters long. They're maybe couple hundred pages and, you know, there's a bunch of different authors to choose from. And so how am I going to be able to process and assimilate all this very good information about parenting in a way that in the moment I'm going to be able to use it and wield it uh, graciously in the lives of my children and in our family? Sure. And what we came up with sort of as shorthand for what we're all about as parents is that we want, by the time our kids leave the house, eventually we want them to be living in reality. Mm-hmm. And so what that means along the way for us has meant things like uh, there's a reality for toddlers, which sounds like we don't play on the stairs, hmm. <laughs> you know, because people who play on the stairs get hurt. We don't mess around the, by the stove because sure. we don't want to get burned. You know, as they get older, there's other realities about the way we treat our friends and the way we talk kindly to other people because, you know, when you gossip and you say unkind things, those things tend to boomerang back around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other realities as the kids get older related to sexuality and to uh, boy-girl relationships. Uh, and then there's that's all the reality related to God, the creator, and the world he's made, the realities that he has hardwired into the world. And then there's all the realities that there is a God and that we are sinners mm-hmm. and that he sent his son to be our savior and he's calling us to repent of our sin and to rely on his son Jesus Christ as our rescuer from sin. Mm-hmm. So these we want our kids to live in reality, God's reality, mm-hmm. the reality of his world and the reality of his word. And so part I think of that is if our words to our kids say, oh, yeah, yeah, reality is about these things. But then our lives and our choices and our priorities and our schedules communicate that it's actually more of a fiction than a reality. Yeah. Then I don't think we're going to do well in communicating that this really is the way things are to the next generation. Hmm. So, again, I go back to the more we can just live with integrity and honesty and that uh, before the Lord, as Christians, like I'm a Christian, 
This is what I believe. And I'm really genuinely trying to live in light of it. Mm -hmm. And that means, so here's part of that, right? Part of that means I'm a sinner too. Hmm. That's reality. So my kids need to know that if they haven't figured it out, they at least need to hear me say it to them. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I was wrong. I was, I sinned. Mm -hmm. Would you forgive, would you forgive me? So there's all sorts of aspects to explore about what does it mean to help our kids live in God's reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a uh, section in here that uh, says parents aren't perfect. And you've got <laughs> right. you know, several different points in here. Remember that your parents are sinners just like you. Trust mm-hmm. that God put you in the perfect family. Get help if you are in danger. Let sinful parents point you to the perfect parent. That's right. And uh, yeah, that's there some great reminders and you know going through this with your children it would be such a such a benefit uh to be able to to uh share with them honestly you know those things that uh, you pointed out that uh you know there are struggles that we deal with as as parents we're not we're not perfect but uh mm-hmm. here's the perfect parent that sure. you can look to and uh, so often our, That's right. so often our our vision is horizontal you know it's focused on on just the horizontal and we live lose that uh vertical perspective of who we should be focused on so mm. yeah mm. yeah very true um so chap what are some practical ways parents and churches can use your book to educate the next generation so Incur, you know, get a copy for you know a child in your family to read. Um, you know, churches can make this available for families to purchase, where uh, you know a kid can handle the book at their at their own pace in their own way. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a grab bag in terms of like the table of contents and how the book's organized. So a child can read it from the beginning slowly working his way, her way through the book, or can just flip open to whatever page grabs the attention and read that. There's multiple ways they can engage with it. But then the parents can go back and say, so what did you read today? Hmm. What jumped at you from the chapter? What was it about? Talk to me about it. What did you think about this? And so I think that kind of engagement, I was actually surprised when the book came out and I would see people post on social media uh, that parents were actually reading this or uh, maybe a whole chapter because they're short typically, or the longer chapters, they break it into smaller portions, and they would actually read it with their family in their family devotions. Yeah. So I had not even anticipated that use, but uh, I'm aware that families have used it that way to profit. Um, New Growth Press is coming out with, later this year, a free PDF uh, family study guide for this. So hmm. uh, it'll, ha- it'll have like a handful of questions for every chapter or each section, wow, and so awesome. that might be something uh, as well that might be useful for families. Yeah, that's excellent. I think that uh, using it along with family devotions would be an excellent application for it. You know, that's something that we've tried to do with our kids uh, through the years. And, uh, you know, doing something like this, you know, um, I think is really helps to engage the kids in uh, in that learning process. And then having those questions would be great. Yeah. You know, and there's activities even in the book, like there's a board game that was probably around in the time of Abraham. Sure. And mm-hmm. we don't have the instructions of exactly how it was played, so there's just a guess, right? And it's in the book, and so, you know, maybe as part of the engaging with the book as a family, you could you know, reconstruct that game board and play a couple games, rounds of that game and see how you like it. Uh, or other projects and crafts or activities that are in the book that might be of interest. You know, there's like a way to make pottery using uh, some dough that you could make in the kitchen. Uh, there's just all sorts of different things you could do. There's even like, a, here's a way that you can uh, read the Bible, and a good place to start would be reading Psalm 1. Remember, how do you memorize uh, parts of the Bible? So, as our family, 
we were someone gave us this advice years ago of when the even when the kids are little and have short attention span, we're just going to read a few verses out of Psalm, let's say Psalm one, and then we're going to pray, and then a couple nights later we'll do it again, and uh, I'll tell you what, to my surprise, within a week or so, our little three year olds or younger are saying uh, by memory all of Psalm one. Wow. That's awesome. And that's just by hearing mom and dad and older brother say it together multiple times, and now it's just ingrained mm-hmm. in them. They know Psalm 1. And then Psalm 1, we've enjoyed Psalm 23 that way, Psalm 100. So there's you know, places in the book that families can sort of uh, take the off-ramp and go explore uh, roads that go off from the book. Sure. Yeah, I was looking at that memory memorization section actually this morning, and uh, you've got some at least three different uh, ways to uh, encourage memorization. And, uh, yeah, so that's it's so critical that our, our uh, children put God's Word into their heart and uh, remember it. You know, it's, it's so much easier when you're young. And uh, even though they may not appreciate it when they're 8 years old, they will when Later. they're yeah, 28 or 38 yeah. or 48, you know. So mm-hmm. well, that's, yeah. a, that's that was, super. That was this kind of with you with the Heidelberg Catechism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. I remember being bored to death when I was learning <laughs> it in sixth grade. But I remember the first Q&A now, and it means so much more to me now. You know yeah. than it ever uh, than I ever could have imagined. Yeah, um, Champ, is there any um, sort of interesting testimonies that you've uh, received since the uh, since the publication of the book? Well, I've been surprised at how well received the book has. Um, the what a good reception the book has received from from so many people. Mm-hmm. I I don't know off the top of my head that I can say you know there's this family in Minnesota and you know mm-hmm. this is what happened in their life. Right. Um, but I regularly hear such positive things from families about the book that their kids they just enjoyed it. They're not a this my child's not a reader and yeah. he picked up the book and he has just been glued to it. Yeah. So I think like oh that's great because I'm convinced that you know the best Bible study tool that anyone can have is to have a working knowledge of the language you speak. So I mean if if you can encourage someone to be a reader yeah. then in a in a long range goal sense, you're helping them be a better reader of the Bible. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, I've been encouraged by things like that, um, and you know, I've been encouraged to see families reading it together. Like I said, that's been a bit of a surprise, and I've been encouraged as well to hear testimonies from parents saying things like, "I read these to my kids," uh, or "I bought it for my kids, but I'm reading it myself, <laughs> and I'm learning, and I'm growing." And right. so, oh, it's just encouraging for me. Yeah, it is. Uh, Champ, also, how important is it to read as a Christian? I mean, for me, and Steve could testify to this as well, um, you know, when I got saved, I began to read day and night. And it seems like at that moment, once I really started to get uh, to learn more about my faith and read, I, I was growing. So um, how, how important is reading, especially just for, for a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I can underscore enough how important reading is. I mean, it's. I mean, there were people who loved Jesus and were faithful to Him, who uh, lived in times when when literacy was rare, mm. and so I would not want to minimize um, sure. uh, their experience, and nor would I want to say that you know, you know, reading is next to godliness. Yeah. Um, but God has chosen to communicate to His people 
not only through general revelation, that is, uh, through the world he's made and revealed to all people generally, but uh, through his written word that he's revealed specially to his special people, so a special revelation. And uh, so, as Luther has said in his catechism, God has—we find God um, partly through his world and mainly through his word. Mm -hmm. And so, if he's chosen to reveal what he's like and what he's done and what he calls us to— in literature, in subjects and verbs and adjectives and articles and adverbs, then we would do well to be able to uh, comprehend those things. And yet, with an understanding that these words are like signposts pointing to reality. Mm. Like, none of us want to worship words and even the Bible, but this is God's Word, and yet it points to a person, Hmm. to God. And in fact, the relationship between the words that we read and the God we worship is so tight that John can say in one of his letters, the one that we have seen and touched and been with, so we're talking about a person, Hmm. right? Him we declare to you. So we pr- we're putting into subjects and verbs a person and the person of no one other than God Himself. Yeah. So that's remarkable. How can language carry that kind of freight, eternal freight? But God has so ordained that it would. And so I think it we don't serve ourselves well if we don't kind of uh, get in line with the way He's designed things to work. Mm-hmm. And then when we, we consider, uh, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was right. with God, and the Word was God. Mm. It's just That's exactly kind of blows your mind. It does. Um, just going back to to reiterating what you said about uh, y- y- the enthusiasm that you've heard from parents and children uh, in, in regard to reading the book, but especially with regards to uh, how enthusiastic the parents have been, we've heard that uh, over and over again here as well. I would say... This book, as far as children's book books are concerned, is probably our best-selling yes. children's book. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. And uh, so um, we're highly enthusiastic about it. We hear the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, parents are picking it up for their children, but they're they're infatuated with it yes. as well. So just highly oh, that's encourage. That's encouraging to hear. Yeah, just highly encourage people to pick it up and uh, read it with their kids. Yeah, here here when when uh, we get some guests come in and they're like, hey, what 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 children's book would you recommend? I, I always point to this one. I'm like, you just open it up and just look for it yourself. And and, and a lot of people <laughs> get very uh, encouraged to buy it. But it's it's an excellent book, Champ. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for just the for publishing it. it it's great. So um, yeah, as as we land the plane here on the, on the podcast, as always, we like to allow our guests to share the gospel. So if uh, you would please do so, that would be great. Yes. So. I want to acknowledge that the way I'm going to share the gospel here is a way that I heard Tim Keller, pastor in New York City, he just retired a couple years ago, mm-hmm. share the gospel at a Gospel Coalition conference. So I want to give the appropriate uh, citation and footnote there, uh, mm-hmm. but it has just been so helpful to me, and mm-hmm. it's actually in the book. So okay. um, that uh, I want to acknowledge, like, I'm, I'm very thankful for uh, for his yeah. ministry and yeah. the way he's articulated it. So a lot of times you hear... People, I think generally people think about that Christianity is just good people telling good people how to be good, mm. right? Mm. I think that is just a common man-on-the-street take on Christianity, mm-hmm. but nothing could be further from the truth mm-hmm. because the gospel is not good advice, mm. right? 
And so, in other words, gospel is not good advice, it's good news. Yes. And there's a huge difference between advice and news. Yeah. So, advice is something that's not happened yet, but you can do it. Hmm. And news is something that uh, it reports something that's already happened in the past, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Hmm. So, the illustration that was used is, you know, let's say we're living back in the days of knights and kings and castles, and an enemy invades the kingdom, and uh, so the king gathers his army, and they leave the castle, and they go out to engage the enemy on the field of battle. And we're waiting in the castle to know what the outcome would be. If the king loses, he sends back military advisors. Hmm. And there's a lot of instruction and advice given. You know, pull up the drawbridge, archers make ready, everybody grab a weapon because we're going to fight for our lives. And so th- there's there's advice and there's a lot of response, but there's also a lot of fear and uncertainty. Hmm. On the other hand, if the king wins, he doesn't send back advisors, he sends back messengers. And they have not advice, but news. Hmm. And they say, the king has won. Go about your life. Hmm. Now, just like with the advice, there also is activity. Christianity doesn't breed lethargy mm-hmm. and inactivity. But because the king has already won, then there's activity, but there's happiness and joy and contentment instead of fear. Mm-hmm. And so the good news is that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to earth and he fought our greatest enemies, Satan and death and sin, and he won and there's nothing more for us to do Amen. except to live in light of that by faith. Yes. And so that's not good advice, but it is very, very good news. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Champ Thornton. Uh, before we end the program, I want to ask where our audience can find you. I heard you have a podcast. Yeah, the podcast is called In the Word, On the Go. It's released twice a week. It's a 10-minute podcast for families and individuals Mm -hmm. to spend 10 more minutes in God's Word. In each podcast, I interview an individual about one of their favorite verses of the Bible. Uh, So that's wordonthego.net, or you can find out more information on my website, champthornton.com. All righty, all righty. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We definitely have to uh, have you back on. Yeah. Definitely. We'd love to join you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that is the end of this podcast. Uh, If you're new, please like and share with your mom, dad, brothers, sisters, cats, and dogs, all of them. So we are uh, Bridge Ministries. This is Bridge Radio. And if you want to know more about us, please visit www.bridgebookstexas.org. You could hit the About or Giving tab uh, to find more information about us and also to support us. We want you all to just prayerfully consider that. We are a Christian uh, bookstore and coffee shop, and we are here in our community and also out into the nations. We're here specifically to disciple Christians and what they believe, why they believe it, um, and, and also to proclaim the gospel out into the nations and so your uh, support would be greatly appreciated Uh, but as for next week I actually won't be on the program neither will Steve Steve's actually heading out to Wisconsin yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, and I will be at G3, at the G3 conference. But John Sampson is actually going to be on next week, and he's going to be teaching the Trinity. That's going to be good. It's going to be excellent. Everyone loves John Sampson. Everyone, Every time he's made an appearance here on the program, everyone just eats it up, and I, I, I love that brother. So please expect that next week. But as always, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we will see you on the next program. Thank you very much, and see you then. Bye-bye.